From WERA 96.7 in Arlington, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with D.C. area musicians to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. I'm Eliza Burkhardt. Today is our season two finale, and we're delighted to have singer-songwriter Heather May in the studio. Welcome, Heather. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, so one of my favorite songs I want to just start with, because I the first time I saw it, because uh, I first heard it via your video on YouTube, I was like, what is this? Who is this? This song is amazing. And that's the song Hero. Um, I think you start the video with sort of a like self-affirming chant yep. of like... <laughs> I the tiger, I got this over and over, <laughs> which is what, what what initially drew me in. But the song is just so great. So tell me a little bit about writing that song. So Hero was the first song I wrote after getting my voice back from having nodules. Yeah, you yeah. took like several uh, months off. From... I took almost a year off, actually. Wow. So I didn't speak for eight months. And then I got the go ahead that I could start singing. Um, but it wasn't just like a, a light switch because there was a lot of... I mean, just trauma, you know, like stepping back on stage after not having the ability to sing um, or speaking around anybody. It was the best, worst thing that ever happened to me. And that's what Hero is about. Hero is that transition from um, recognizing that there is this monster on your back, which for me was mental illness. Um, Right before um, I was diagnosed with nodules, I also was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, and it was something that I was just really grappling with of like ha- being somebody with mental illness and not understanding how to how to live as somebody with mental illness, um, because it's one thing to get the diagnosis. It's another thing to learn how to live with it. Um, and so that's what Hero is about. It's about recognizing that this thing that I've been diagnosed with, both nodules and bipolar disorder, will not break me and in fact, make me who I am, you know, the best worst thing that's ever happened to me um and then I can be and am and have to be every day the hero in my own story no one can save me I have to be the one that gets myself treatment and gets myself help and thrives so that's a super powerful message how did you get through that initial period I mean yeah (laughs) I mean (laughs) it's it's a lot of therapy yeah I had to create a regimen for myself because um, before when I was doing music, you know, I started doing I, I jumped into the music business immediately after college in 2010. And it wasn't really until 2011 that I really started doing the thing like touring and staying away from my house for like longer than a weekend. And it was just I was so unkind to myself when I began in this business I didn't drink water. I stayed up way too late. I ate after my meal, after my uh, shows. I'd like do the late night meals and then I'd stay up longer and then I drink, I drank a ton and I never let myself be calm. And it was like I never, there was always something I had to be doing. Um, I never gave myself release and I never let myself just be and exist. If I wasn't doing music and if I wasn't working on the music business, I felt worthless. Mm. And so I was just so unkind to myself. And when I lost the ability to sing, silence is so loud. Mm-hmm. And I could no longer make sound. And so all I heard were these thoughts in my head. And I just knew that in order for me to write the music that I've always wanted to write, in order for me to 
be the musician I wanted to be, I had to, I had to make a, I like made a vow that I would, if I got my voice back, I would take care of myself. And so I started it before I even got my voice back. You know, I started meditating. I started going to therapy. I started talking about my pain with my friends and my family. Now, when I couldn't speak, it was a lot of like journaling and texting. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. I mean, like, how are you communicating? Right. Like I had a whiteboard that I carried around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was so extra. But I had I had to. I mean, I'm, I'm such a talker. I had to like somehow communicate with my family and friends. And at the time, my girlfriend who was long distance. And so, you know, it was it was really hard. But I started that process when I didn't have a voice of taking care of myself. You know, I cared about the the food that went into my body to nourish my body. Um, I, as somebody who uh, has a history of eating disorders, I tackled that head on. And so I thought about nourishing my body and, and in multiple ways. You know, my brain, my physical body, my, you know, my, my soul and my mind um emotionally spiritually in every aspect and yeah (laughs) that was how I tackled it you know changing everything that was how I did it wow (laughs) well on the note let's hear a little of hero busy lately you just had your lp release yep. like just days ago yep and it's called glimmer yes it is so first of all how'd you land on that title so when i was um kind of like hero actually um glimmer was the first song i wrote in this collection of songs um so glimmer is a uh, a multi-angle look at mental illness Okay. So I have bipolar disorder too. And my fans um, at my merch table for my last record, I Am Enough, you know, I, I came out as a social justice songwriter. I came out as queer. Um, I came out as fat. I came out as being somebody who writes songs about issues, but in pop. Mm-hmm. And so Glimmer was, every time I go to the merch table, my fans would come up to me and say, you know, whether it was about my song Stand Up, which is about racial injustice, or I Am Enough, which is about um, body positivity, they would always come up to me and reference in some kind of way mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I am a type of person and a type of songwriter where I write songs based upon what my fans need. You know, I want to leave behind. It is incredibly important to me that I leave behind a legacy of somebody who used their art to make the world better. And so 
I came home from tour after doing the circulation of I Am Enough, and I sat down at my keyboard, and everything that was coming to me was all around um, mental illness. And so I, I decided, I decided to to go off my medication. Okay. Um, it wasn't working for me. Okay. I had gone through. 20 plus different regimens not Ooh. not medications but different like regimens. let's try this this with this with this, this cocktail sure. we call them cocktails so yeah cocktails and it no none of them worked the side effects were worse than the actual symptoms of bipolar disorder for me at least mm-hmm. um and i'm i will say this with a content warning that i do i am not at all promoting an anti-prescription medication lifestyle sure. at all um but I worked with my psychiatrist, my therapist, my family, and my wife, and we all worked together to see if I could go off of them. And during that process, I decided to place my hands on my keyboards and write a record about that. No matter what I was feeling, whether I was manic, which is my song Feeling Crazy, whether I was, um, you know, in the lowest of lows, which was my song Smoke Signals, um, I just decided to write from every angle, addiction, um, LGBTQ, discrimination. And then, of course, um, Glimmer was the first song that came to me. And it's about just living in the day-to-day, breathe in, breathe out, just get to the next one. Uh Um, Both that interesting juxtaposition of you cannot have light without darkness because you wouldn't know what light is without the opposite. Sure. Um, and so it landed on this, in the bridge, there's a line of, what is this feeling that I've got? A glimmer of light in the dark, the crack of a window, a curtain pulled back. Um, and it's about that real glimmer of light, like a, like a genuine place your feet on the ground and walk over to your window and open up the curtains after you've been in bed for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell us about the song Warrior off this new album. So Warrior's kind of like <laughs> Hero 2.0 um, because it's it's the first song on the album and it is my women's empowerment song. I wrote it actually, so as, as a social justice songwriter, I also am an active protester living in D.C. It's super easy <laughs> to do that, especially since 2016. Uh, it's very, there's a lot of opportunities to yeah. protest. And there's right. a lot going on right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, Warrior, I actually wrote after hearing some chants um, during the uh, End Family Separation um, uh, protests that happened. Right. Um, so I was my first time getting arrested and, um, at a civil, a civil disobedience, uh, I protested with the women's March group and popular democracy, democracy. And that experience of all of these women coming together and being arrested. And then quickly after that, Christine Blasey Ford did her testimony. Um, mm-hmm. And in that hearing, just seeing what she just simply had to go through to just tell her story and all of these white men just questioning her and the validity of the trauma Uh blew my mind. And so I, I figured what women have to go through is another version of it affects mental health. Uh Um, when we just simply as survivors want to tell our story, Uh um, not because we want to, but because we have to. Right. Um, and so that that's what spurred 
warrior. And on it, um, in the actual recording, there are over 50 women singing in the choir, and we doubled their voices. There's actually a hundred plus women's choir um, on the song. Wow, how did you select these women? I just put out a call to my fans, actually. I mean, I had some music, DC has some amazing musicians and amazing sure. female singers um, in this town, as you know. And so I, I just literally put up a call and was like, who wants to sing in this? Who wants to sing on this, on this song? Um, this is the topic. Let me know. And they just, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, that sounds incredibly powerful. Yeah, at some point we did have to start turning people away because my producer... Well, I'm thinking, like, how big is the studio <laughs> that's, like, fitting 50 plus? It was so amazing. I mean, we just kept, we, we'd we put them, four, Layering, four, like, four people on a at mic. At a time. You know? Got it. Uh, well, let's hear a little of Warrior. fight for me, fight for me now. would you say survival is a theme in your music and do you think that it's something that your listeners really connect to absolutely I don't get messages to say this all the time I don't get messages from my fans saying you know my girlfriends and I listened to your music as we were driving to my bachelorette or like I love to party to your music or I get ready to your music or videos of them twerking to my music right but that could happen they could it do could that. it totally could twerking is, warrior. Welcome, sure. right. <laughs> twerking is welcome but I I get messages from my fans that are like you know, I came out to my parents because I knew I could have a love like you and your wife. Or I, I broke up with my my partner because we were in a domestic abusive relationship and I needed to get out of there. Or, or I finally went to the therapist because I knew that I could and I felt like I had a friend holding my hand as I listened to your record. And Or I literally didn't commit suicide because, oh yeah, that's a really common one. Wow. I am, I've stopped cutting myself because of Hero or Glimmer makes me feel unalone. Like my fans, I call them my amazing humans. And that is why, because they listen to my music and they find my music because they need something to keep them going or to survive. And I love them so much. I'm so protective of them and um so when I was making this record to survive was 100% my goal I want them to survive um which is why I totally wrote the lyrics I'm still here well let's hear a little bit of I'm still here
this running and racing, I forgot That I've got two feet and I'm proud of where I've been Bruised and I'm tired and burned by the fire, but I've kept moving And in all of this running and racing, I forgot That I'm still here so busy just asking and begging When does the good start? Listening to Formative Tracks on WERA 96.7. If you're just joining us, we're talking to singer-songwriter Heather May. Where did you grow up in DC proper? I grew up in Northern Virginia. I grew up in Sterling. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but you're in DC now. I am in DC now. Okay. So when did you move? To oh, the city? geez. So when I was 18, I like immediately left Virginia. I like okay. went up to New York. You were like, I, I'm done. I gotta get out of here. Okay. And um, I went up to New York City and uh, started training and to be on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was one of those kids. Now, when you say training, like, where did you go? I went to college. I went to American Musical and Dramatic Academy. Okay, and, uh, so you were all about it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two-year training conservatory, so I could get in and get out, get in and get out, yeah. and I could do the, the musical theater thing. And then yeah. from there, I started writing my own music, and that's where I transitioned into songwriting. Okay, wait. Well, so back in New York, did you yeah. actually perform on Broadway or perform, like, off-Broadway? I, I never performed on Broadway. I did, okay. like, off-off-Broadway, and yeah. I did, like, some summer stock, and I, like... I started directing, and that was kind of oh. like what transitioned me into writing. Okay, it's because I really liked, I liked calling the shots. <laughs> I totally relate. Yeah, <laughs> I totally did. And then, um, also like for me, the thing that ultimately stopped me from pursuing a career further in musical theater and trying to be on Broadway, and I would get callback after callback for these like epic roles. But ultimately, the thing that always ended up stopping me from going further was every time I would get asked, how much weight can you lose in three weeks or two months? Or, you know, would you be willing to? Would you be willing to starve yourself? Like, yeah. be willing to what exactly? To what lose even 30 mean? pounds. Like, literally, they would even give me, like, a direct number. As if they knew that that's what, the how much I weighed. As if they knew, like, right. you know, <laughs> what I would look like. 30 pounds later. I'm so like, what did you say to? Oh, every time I said yes. Every single yeah. time. Yeah. But it was when I when I had this huge callback for a Broadway revival that I got two callbacks in. And then the producer asked me, or the casting director, I don't even remember which one, asked me if I could lose a ton of weight within a span of like a month. And I said yes, and he was so excited about that. Okay. And then I didn't even end up getting it. Okay. And that's where I felt like I had 100% stripped myself from my moral code. This, the person that I am right now who says yes to more, you know, molding her body. This is somebody I had become, mm-hmm. you know. The entire time I'd been in New York, I had an eating disorder. And then I finally almost got a gig. And I was so excited to starve myself. 
and then I didn't get it, and that was a wake up call. That was a huge yeah wake up sort call. of like blessing in disguise type thing. Oh yeah, because yeah. I was I called my mom and I was like I didn't get it, and I told that that I would, and yeah. I'm done. Yeah, and so I started writing music about that experience and my anger, and that ultimately transitioned me into from actress to songwriter. Mm. And, and then. That brought you back down to D.C.? I mean, you could have stayed in New York, no, or did you stay in New so York? so I stayed in New York, okay. and I actually started this pro- – I was a nanny. <laughs> okay. And I started this project called One Year of Songs, where I wrote and recorded a song every day for a year. And then I – the last three months of that project, I bought a van, and I toured the country. This is my first tour, which hardly was a tour. It was really just a road trip. I was, like, 22 living in the back of a conversion van, driving all over the country, (laughs) me and another girl, and just driving all over the country for three months, writing a song and recording it every day and putting it up on this blog that I had created. That's a really gutsy thing to do. It was awesome. It was, I still say, this was one of the best summers of my life. Yeah. Um, And I finished that project in the Grand Canyon. I wrote and recorded my last song on my way to the Grand Canyon, and then I, or I wrote it on my way to the Grand Canyon, recorded a video, and then that song was the last song of the project. And but in order to do that summer, I had to pack up my whole life and move it out of New York and into my parents' basement in, in Virginia. <laughs> Where you always wanted to be. <laughs> Where I always wanted to be. Totally. And then I moved back here and through a series of really amazing events, I met my wife and uh, now now she works in D.C. and. And so now it's home to me, which is kind of perfect because I'm a social justice songwriter. You right. Know? So what better place? To be what better to place? Be? And she works in politics and I'm a protester and get her into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So do you want to talk about your top five songs? I absolutely do. Awesome. So the first one that you put on this list for whatever reason is um, Bright Lights and Cityscapes by Sarah Bareilles. Mm-hmm. Personal friend of mine. She's actually not a personal friend of mine, oh but my I kind of know her because like, I was what uh, I was on NBC's The Sing Off several years ago, and she awesome. when she was a judge, so I oh, saw yeah. her when she wasn't you know on TV, and she was very friendly. Yeah, and she's quite beautiful even with make without makeup on. Nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, she was the nicest, like most down to earth musician. And anyway, you selected the song um, because you said. It taught you to break open everything you knew about how a song should should sound. So talk right. about that a little bit. So when you hear it, there are some really beautiful, quiet moments. And um, it starts off so slowly. You have to be really patient when you listen to it because it is such a slow start. And... When that song came out, I was I was listening to a lot of like female singer songwriters, but I was also listening to like I I was stuck in my old what I used to listen to when I was in musical theater. So it was a lot of the stuff I was listening to in high school. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it was like emo bands and like, um, I don't know, like (laughs) like, well, the top 40 at the time. Um, And so for those types of songs, you know. The good, the good, quote unquote, good stuff happens 10, 15 seconds into the song. Mm-hmm. Right. And I fell in love with Sarah Bareilles's writing. And she, of course, writes stuff like that, too. And so do I. But there was something about the slow build up in that song that 
completely changed the way I looked at the quiet moments of of pop music mm-hmm. and how vital they are mm-hmm. um, and rare and so rare um yeah and so now I actually like when I perform my favorite moments when I perform are the moments where it is so still on stage um and it's so quiet in the audiences and I know that they are right there with me and so that song was a big one for me I remember listening to it on my couch in um in New York City and just crying because I realized I I had I had found the type of music that I always wanted to write. So the other thing with the song is that she, um, I was always so intimidated of the piano. And because I thought that in order to be a pianist, I had to be, you know, in order to play piano underneath me, I had to be able to play the piano. And whereas with guitar, it's like, you know, you see people with camp- at campfires and sitting around the playing CG. Right. Yeah. So, but maybe it but, only has a couple strings on. It doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> but with piano, you can't really, for me, I thought you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You have to know you, how to play. Right. Right. And then I heard this song and the piano, dun, 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 and this moving bass line mm-hmm. in her left hand. And I realized that. It like Heather May, just place your hands on the keyboard and just find things that sound good. So even to this day, like, uh, yes, I can sit down and write a chart if I absolutely need to for the people that are playing my music with me, but I don't know when I'm playing. It is all by ear. And I didn't actually know that there was like a whole group of songwriters that are just like that. Oh, Paul yeah. McCartney is one. Yeah. This was one of those songs that I heard the the piano in it and I just thought... How epically beautiful and moving and emotional it is. And it's like three notes being so played at the same time. And I, I just, yeah, it was one of the first songs I ever I pl- like learned to play on the piano. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it ultimately made me realize, pick up that instrument that you so badly want. And then now it's the only instrument that supports my, my voice. All right, your... Uh... <laughs> Your second song is, is <laughs> to me, it was kind of a departure. Uh, yep, I know. <laughs> Time of the Season by the Zombies, which I think is like Vietnam era, Vietnam War era. Mm-hmm. So what what connected you to that song? So I almost feel like we should listen to it. Because okay. Yeah, I'm just don't need to say no more. No, go ahead, finish your sentence. I just want to say, <laughs> say no more. I love that. Um, I almost feel like we should listen to it because the vibe of the simplicity, how simple it is. And yet it is such a strong vibe. So I, I am at heart a like late 60s, early 70s rock lover. Oh. I okay. love the genre, that genre. And I truly believe that if I had been born in a different generation, then, then I, that's when I would I would have been peak 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. um, right around that time. And my I grew up listening to that with my parents and windows down, you know, hair blowing in the wind, sitting in the back. My parents, just total hippies listening to that music. Okay. And there's something about like the guitar riffs and the like the just the authentic um, vibe of the music back then, especially when when it's songs that are um, social justice songs, that they 
you could turn on the radio and almost every other rock song was about war or Mm -hmm. social justice or, uh, you know, police discrimination, civil rights, women's rights, sexual rights, sexual liberation. I mean, like every other song, every other rock song. And and so for me as a social justice songwriter, it was a big inspiration, sense of a, a big aha moment that the music that I was raised on was music that I now aspire to write. Mm. I aspire not not genre wise, but just um, topically that I write pop songs that are hidden. There are hidden messages and themes of social justice and liberation. So that and then the second thing is just like literally to me, for the longest time, I was so afraid of writing the music that I'm writing now because I thought it was past my ability. Hmm. Why do you say that? Because I didn't go to school for musical theater or for um, I didn't go to school for music theory and I didn't study, you know, composition and I didn't go to Berkeley. And so especially as a woman in the industry, like we're all we're constantly told, even subconsciously, that we aren't as smart as them mm-hmm. and we don't deserve a seat at the table. And so first, in order to write the music I want to write, I first have to get through all of that muck and red tape. Right. And so it's songs like these that I realize that I am an amazing songwriter simply because I have a voice and an opinion and I know good music. Um, my ability to play a, a guitar riff, I might not be able to do that, but I know how to lay out a song and start it with a a build and or give it a build and start it small and give it a build um and I know sonically what I want it to sound like and so that song the reason why I chose it was just be is very similar to the Sarah Bareilles thing which is that simple doesn't mean lesser Mm. in fact I think simple is harder Mm mm-hmm because if you don't have all these layers and all these things happening, you hear everything. Right. Um, such as, like, when we went to break, you said, is that a guy, like, drinking a Coke and going, ah. <laughs> Right? Like, we hear mm-hmm. every, and you know that guy, he literally is going, ah. Yeah. Every time. And how many takes ah. did he have to do? These right, things exactly. Yeah. So simple isn't lesser, which right. is so, that's why I chose this. It's much bigger than just you know, a rock song. Right. It's a, it's a moment in my career where I realize, you know, this is the type of music I write mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean lesser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're also a fan of Mary Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you picked the song, She Keeps Me Warm. How did that particular song inspire you? So I came out as queer in 2016 um, and I am married and I just realized that there weren't a lot of songs written by women for women where they don't use generic you, mm-hmm. you know, just reference you as you, mm-hmm. but as her. Mm-hmm. Um, there just aren't a lot. And so when I got my voice back, I made a vow that I would be honest and truthful to my fans about who I am and what and who I love. Um, and so as queer, I don't, you know, I, I love men and I love women and I love everything in between. Um, so non-binary and trans people and for me Wanderer my song Wanderer was my announcement because in it you say I'm I I, I, and then I say I see a garden filled with daisies and my arms filled up with babies and it 
and a wrinkle for every year. I grew old with you, my dear. I see a woman that I could love. And she keeps me warm. You know, it came out at a time when I realized I was queer and I wanted, and very quickly after that, I got nodules and I so badly wanted to write a song like She Keeps Me Warm. Mm -hmm. And eventually I was able to because I got my voice back and that's when Wanderer came out. So She Keeps Me Warm was kind of like not only a love song between my wife and I, but also my wake up song Mm -hmm. where I realized these are the types of love songs that I want to write. Songs that are pop can be heard on mainstream radio that my people feel seen when they hear it. That line about people stare Mm because we look so good together is Mm -hmm. such an honest reflection on what it's like to be LGBTQ when you're walking down the street with your couple, with your partner, because, you know, someone spits in your direction. You can't help but be like, even though you're trying to assume positive intent, you know, like maybe not everybody's looking at me that way. Maybe they have a cousin who's gay and it's hard for them to, but then they see us and they're like, oh, look how cute they are. Maybe Mm. it is okay, right? But if they spit in your direction, you can't help but be like, is this positive? (laughs) Right, right. And so, you know, it's really common for for us in the community to like, you know, be with your partner and try and make the most because this is our reality. And Mm. so you try and make the most of the situation. And that lyric of she says that people stare because we look so good together is like, I can hear my, my partner like looking at me and being like, you know, we were walking into a Walmart and someone spit on the ground in her hometown really close to us. And they spit on the ground right in front of us and looked at us. And we were like, just so embarrassed and angry. And, you know, it was just far enough away that it might not have been what Mm. we thought it was. And we walk in and she just looks at me and is like, isn't this town weird? And we just went and we went shopping and we like got food and apples and granola bars and went on our way. Right. But that's exactly what it is. Isn't it? Isn't it funny that people stare? You know why I think they stare? Because we look so good together. You know? That's great. Yeah. Um, Your fourth song is Breakable by Ingrid Michaelson, uh, which you said showed you how to sort of loosen up and relax with your lyrics. So do you mean that, like, prior to that you had uh, a lot of of pressure on yourself to be this great poet? Or, like, what kind of – what do you mean by that? No, I mean, like, that's it. Like, it was, like, before it was all, like – you know, I never wanted to just say, like, I love the color of your eyes. Uh It was, like – That's too literal. The emerald reminded me (laughs) – Of your irises. (laughs) Right. Right. The emerald in your eyes reminds me of or or shows me that there's a depth inside it. Blah, blah, blah. Right, right. right. It was always that. Gobbledygook. It wasn't authentic, you know, these – I never tapped into my authenticity. And when I started listening to Ingrid Michaelson, her music was so – I call it accessible. Mm -hmm. Her lyrics are so accessible. Anybody could sing them. Whether you're a guy or a girl or something in between, you could sing them and feel like you were speaking them, that you could, you could, you know, they're so, they're lyrics that are on the tip of your tongue as if they were your own thoughts. And that changed the game for me when I realized that stop trying to say something mm-hmm. and instead just say it. So there's this part she like literally opens up the song and she's like, have you ever thought about what protects our hearts? Just a cage of rib bones and other various parts and how simple Mm -hmm. that is. Because the next part, what she's saying is we're all just breakable. 
Like, you could break my heart so easily, physically and emotionally. Like, how easy it is for us to just break. And yet, I'm here, willingly here to fall in love with you because despite the fact that I could break apart in your hands, mm-hmm. I love you. And so, yeah, so hearing hearing how easily I could, you know, place my hand upon her lyrics and, and make them my own, that changed the way that I wrote my own songs. Yeah, I mean, it's really conversational. And the fact Absolutely. that she opens with a question, it's like, we're just pulling you in. We're, it's not like, I'm over here with this song that you have to try to figure out. Right. Yeah, it's an enigma. And, and those... very deep. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and those songwriters <clears throat> who do that, like Joni Mitchell, like... Mm-hmm. Oh my God, there's, I love that music. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I just played zombies for Pete's sake, right? Mm. Like, I love, I love that music, but it's not my voice. Mm-hmm. You know, my voice is women gonna rise like the water, gonna mm. shut oppression down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, mama told me I was a wanderer and it'd be hard to find someone who could hold me down. Um, you are my favorite word. You are my favorite heartbeat to fall asleep to every night yeah and so finding Ingrid Michaelson formed how I write so your final song may be the most important of all to your career because you said it taught you not to fear your own voice yeah uh this is who you are by Jesse J so when I was um uh diagnosed with vocal nodules well so when I went when I was in school for musical theater there was this thing that we used to always say, which is that if you could hit the high, a high E, like a belt a high E, um, that you you were going to make it in the music business, or you were going to make it in the the theater business. It's just because of the range that all just these the sheer, big like numbers are just written in, sh- that just that particular note, like if you could hit a e high flat, e. it's not good enough. <laughs> but if you can get the E, you're in. Yes, okay. I know. I don't. I can't. All right. And it was just so much pressure. I mean, we were so, so much pressure to be thin and so much pressure to be an ingenue and so much pressure to be the best, the best dancer, the best singer. And it was like this one thing. If you could belt a high E, then you got it. <laughs> and I literally gave myself nodules trying to just hit a note over and over again throughout college. And then I actually got vocal nodules as I was in the music industry, writing my own stuff, trying to write my for, write for my own voice. And it was in that pause, in that break, where um, I gave myself the relief and the release to just, when you get your voice back, just sing with your voice. Don't try to be something you're not. Just sing for pure joy. And I was starting to do furniture refurbishing. This is so random. Roll with (laughs) me on this. Roll with me on this. I'm rolling with you. So it was the summer of 2014, and I was told I would never be able to sing again. So my therapist literally looked at me and was like, you need to find another job. You need to find another hobby. If you don't sing again and you only have worth when you're singing, because I literally did. I mean, I was like, I have no value anymore. And she's like, you're a human being. You have value always, but you need to have something else to, f- to f- fill your time. Um, so I started refurbishing furniture and I was in my parents because living with my parents at the time because I couldn't pay for all these medical services while living away from home and like what a privilege to go home so I'm I'm home and I'm I'm like working out of my parents garage and I'm like refurbishing this furniture and I had the radio on while I was while I was doing this it was eight months of silence and 
there was this one song that I would listen to and it was a Jessie J song. It's actually not this, not this particular song, but it was another Jessie J song. And she's just wailing with Ariana Grande. And I started to notice that there was this, I would sing quietly to myself, but it was this different voice. It was this like Axl Rose is like really high up in my nose. Like, really, like I'm really high. It's like, it sounds so ridiculous on soon. I promise I don't sound like this when I perform. But there was this to- new tool. It's like, this belt that was yeah. so effortless. Yeah, that's not coming from your throat. No, and I never let anybody else hear it. So it was only I only made the noise when I was by so myself. So I found my voice coach, and I was like, "Look, I've got this sound that I can make." I didn't call it a, a, a voice. I said, "Sound I can make," and I call it my Axel Rose. It's really high in my nose. It sounds really brassy and not pretty, but it's this thing, and it doesn't feel like pressure on my vocal cords. I, what the hell is this? And I did it for him. And he was like, that's your belt. Mm. And so he was like, I want you to, I had, I got the diagnosis that the nodules had gone away and the cyst that was with them had gone away. Everything was gone. And so I started to use this new tool and I started to sing the songs that I always wanted to sing in college. One of which was this song, Who You Are by Jesse J. Hey, and... It was an emotional experience for me to finally be able to hit these notes. Like the part where she's like, no, 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 no. Like that high. I mean, I did it for the first time so effortlessly when I sang it. And I remember just weeping. Yeah. Because all this pressure to try and be something that I'm not wrecked my voice. And then when I finally let myself just have fun and sound silly. I found my voice and I realized I could do it. And it was just, I was, that song was an example of the shame just falling away. Well, I want to give you a big thank you, um, Heather May, for coming on the show today and making time for us. And uh, you're headed out on tour soon? Yeah, I am. I think by the time this airs, I'll be on the road. Um, I will probably be still on my East Coast tour. Yeah. Very exciting. And people can yeah. find, like, catch find up with out. you on heathermay.com. Yeah. Heather um is, is my website, heathermay.net. They can find me on heathermay.net, or they can find me on Instagram, heathermaymusic, and it's M-A-E. Perfect. That's it for us here on Formative Tracks. Be sure to follow us on social media, catch up on archived episodes on Apple Podcasts, and stay tuned for Season 3.